turn to Philippians. Uh, turn to the book of Philippians. And uh, my last series that I did uh, with our teenagers, um, we would go, uh, we would have our Wednesday night youth group and uh, we'd kind of do a verse by verse Bible study. And so we went through the book of Philippians. And uh, I never realized, which I think it was good, that it helped that uh, we knew our next, my next step was missions. And, uh, but I never realized how missional uh, the book of Philippians is. And uh, it's, a, it's an extremely missional book. Uh, in theory, really, you have Paul that is a missionary, right? And he is writing back to one of his churches. Uh, they have partnered with him. Uh, we may get to it. We may see it in chapter 4. But at one point in his ministry, they were the only church that was helping him. And so he had this very close relationship. Uh, he was part of starting this church. If you remember the story in Acts 16, uh, him and Silas go to Philippi. Uh, they see this lady, Lydia, get saved. Things start off well, then kind of classic Paul, right? He gets thrown into jail. He runs across some trouble. And he's thrown into jail. An earthquake comes at midnight. Uh, and what happens? They're loosed. But instead of, instead of fleeing, they stay. And they see the Philippian jailer uh, receive Christ. He takes him home. His whole family uh, trusts the Lord as their Savior. And uh, that starts this church. And now you'll fast forward many, many, many years, decades later, you have the book of Philippians and you have him uh, writing back to them. And so I want to go through just a, just a few verses tonight and look at a few things through the book of Philippians. And uh, first, I always like to point out uh, verse five. It says this, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And so first, remember again, Paul has built a lot of friendships in this church. Uh, I like to think that he's still fr good friends with the Philippian jailer. I'm thinking they're getting together whenever he comes through town, you know, maybe they grab a bite to eat. He has them over for a barbecue or something like that. And uh, maybe they watch the game. I don't know, you know. But uh, here he is, and he, he's built this friendship. And uh, no doubt it was a Baptist church, right? Because he's talking about fellowship. Yes. And there's one thing we know about Baptist churches is we like to fellowship, you know? And there's always food involved, right? And so uh, he's talking about this fellowship. And that is a great asset of a, of a church, yeah. the fellowship that we have, the friendships that we're able to build. But notice what he says when he talks about this fellowship. He says the fellowship in the gospel, that that's what it's surrounded by. And we ought to always remember that because sometimes it is, it is easy to get distracted and see other things. But we ought to always remember our fellowship, our purpose, our drive as a church is the gospel, is the story of Jesus saving uh, us and those around us. And, uh, you know, it's amazing to me as my wife and I, as we travel, and uh, we've been in 120 churches uh, this year, a deputation, and it's amazing. Uh, this church would be another, uh, another example. Uh, we come into these churches and we don't know anyone, right? We are, we are strangers, okay? Stranger danger, right? And we don't know you. You don't know us. But almost immediately, it's amazing to me, there's this connection, yes, sir. right? Yep. There's this bond. And it's, it is because there is something that unites us. There is something that connects us. Right. And that's the gospel, 
That's this commonality that we have, that you have here in Sioux Falls, that I have as I'm going to uh, Portugal, that we have to spread the gospel. And Paul is talking about that fellowship that they can have in the gospel. And look, at, look down at verse 9. He says this, he says, This I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And so now Paul is talking about them as they grow in their knowledge. If you know much about Paul and his writings, uh, he's talking constantly about the Christian growth. And he'll relate a lot of times, he'll say, you know, as a Christian gets saved and they're like a newborn baby. And a baby, as they drink the milk of the word of God and and they they grow and they're they're learning and they're they're, uh, developing as a Christian. And then they graduate from milk to meat. And uh, we ought to always, and that's what church is, where we're learning. And that's our morning Bible study is we're, we're studying the word of God. And he, but notice what he says. He says, as, as our knowledge of God's word grows, not just that, but that our love will grow with it, that our love will grow with it, and uh, that we don't just know what the Bible says, but we love the Bible. Amen. We don't just know who God is, but we love God, and that we develop this relationship, this love for what we do as a Christian. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in life that will motivate us. Um, We, uh, you know, I've worked with our sports program of many years and uh, sports, right? Sports is motivating. A challenge will motivate us. Uh, Fear, fear is a motivator. Uh, I I like to tell, you know, a couple months ago, a few months ago, back in the summer, uh, we went out to, uh, to, to West uh, South Dakota, out to the Black Hills and the Badlands and all that. And so uh, we heard about the Badlands. Someone told us a trail to go check out. And so we get there and uh, we're going to go check it out. And we pull into the parking lot and right in front of our car is a sign. And the sign says, beware of rattlesnakes. And I said, oh, well, that... That changes things just a little bit, okay? No one told me anything about rattlesnakes. And so, again, our fear of things will motivate us, okay? Or motivate us to not do anything and just leave, take the picture and go. But uh, fear, uh, take a child. Think about a child-parent relationship. Uh, I'll take me, for instance. Uh, When I was a kid, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but when I was a child, I, I had a hard time obeying and being good I know I look like I'm up here today and I'm just this perfect angel you know and my wife would agree that I'm a perfect angel but uh, when I was a little boy I was not I was not a perfect angel and uh, it just seemed like it was harder for me than the other boys and girls uh, to obey and to follow the rules and I tried I tried my hardest I just didn't always succeed but uh, you know here's the deal I wanted to obey my mom and dad But I'll tell you what, you want to know why I wanted to obey them? Because I knew that if I did not obey them, then something bad was going to happen, okay? It was not going to feel good. We'll just say that, all right? And I tried, I wanted to, uh, but, but why did I want to? Because I was afraid of the consequences. But you know what's amazing? It's amazing that as I grew up, right, as I matured, as my love for my parents grew, that desire to obey my parents changed. Because there became a point in my life, right, where I'm an adult, I'm a full-grown man. 
I don't have, I didn't have to obey my parents. Now my mom, she would tell me, you know, you're never too big for me to put over your knee, on my knee, you know. But I did not have to obey them. But you know what? I wanted to obey them. I wanted to. I wanted to honor them. I wanted to respect them. Not because of fear, but because of love. And that love I had for them changed my desire from a have to to a want to. And that's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. Because I'll be, I'll be honest, sometimes we feel like we have this list of things, right, that we better check off. And that we have all these things we have to do. And really, it ought to be things we want to do. Amen. We ought to want to read our Bible and talk to God and pray to Him and come to church where His people are and His Word is being preached. We ought to want to do those things because of the love that we have. And uh, I like to tell this little story. Oh, a few months ago, my wife, or a few years ago, actually, my wife and I, we were cleaning out our, our closet. We had this closet that just seemed to just collect stuff, you know. And so we were cleaning it out. We pulled everything out. And we're sorting and, and donating and junking and just, you know, whatnot. And uh, we, we had to run some errands, so we left. And uh, when we get back, our four teenage sons are in the living room. And one of them found in this storage, we probably had this tucked away into this closet, hidden. But in this storage closet was this popcorn tin. You know, Christmas time, you get them. I don't know if that's still a thing or not. But you have this pop, these popcorn tins. In it is usually popcorn. Uh, in this case, there was no popcorn. In this popcorn tin was every love letter that I wrote to my wife. Well, you guys are fast. You know where this is going. Here's the deal. There are not many, very many more embarrassing moments in life than coming home to find your four teenage sons reading the love letters that you wrote to your wife while you were dating in college. I mean, they got these things all laid out. I mean, I don't know how long this was going on, but they had tears going down their face. They were laughing so hard. They, uh, one of them even had like a top 10 list going, you know, like his, he had his favorites all laid out. Uh, and then I get home and the real fun begins, right? And so they start reading these things out loud. They're mocking me, you know, oh, Mary Ann, your eyes sparkle as the diamonds of the ocean. All that ooshy-gooshy stuff, right? Here's the deal, here's the deal. I did not have to write, the, uh, write those love letters. She didn't have to read them. She definitely didn't need to keep them, okay? But we did, we did. And why did we? Because we wanted to. I wanted her to know how I felt. She wanted to know how I felt. And this, this is the greatest love letter we'll ever read, we'll ever have. And again, sometimes it is, you know, that chore. And it's like, man, it's one of those mornings. And we get up and it's just, it feels like these things that we have to do. But really, it's a time where we get to communicate. We get to talk to God, the creator of this universe. We get to... uh, him and I both get to uh, pray and talk to each other through his word. And that is the love ought to drive us to, in that relationship with him. Uh, turn over to chapter 2. And I won't be long here, I promise. Uh, I have two more thoughts to share with you. And uh, we'll be done here real soon. But uh, chapter 2, this is a missional principle I want to share with you this evening. Chapter 2, verse 17. Paul says this, Paul says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. 
And so Paul, first, he's relating with these folks because he understood that for them to be Christians, for them to do what they did or what they were doing, it took sacrifice. And I don't know what you know about first century Christianity, but it was very hard to be a Christian in this day. They were hunting Christians. They were persecuting them. They were imprisoning them. Paul is literally writing this from prison. And so he knows firsthand of their sacrifice. But they, it, he knew that it took sacrifice. And specifically in his life, uh, he was very thankful for the, for the financial sacrifice that they made towards him. Because he understood that for him to do what he was doing as a, as a missionary, for him to travel the country, for him to go and reach people uh, with the gospel, which is what God has called him to do, he was only able to do that because of their partnership and because of the sacrifices that they were making back at home. And when you partner with a missionary, that's what you're doing. You're, he's the boots on the ground uh, going and taking the gospel to that country. And you're back here at partnering and sending him. And it, you can't do it without each other, right? And so he is very thankful. Paul is very thankful for their sacrifice. He said it brought him joy. But look at verse 18 and see what he says next. He says this, For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. And so Paul is saying, your sacrifice has brought me joy. Thank you very much. But he, what does he say next? He says, but your sacrifice has also brought you joy. Yes. And you know, that's different. That's different than what we hear in our culture, especially right now with Christmas coming up. Because if we're not careful, we'll buy into the idea that for happiness and to be uh, joyful and to have happiness, we need to have more stuff. Right, man, if I could get that new phone or if I could get that a bigger TV or a better car, then all this stuff will make me happy and I'll be happy if I could have these things. And Paul is saying the exact opposite. Paul is saying true joy comes from giving, not from receiving. True joy comes from being a part of something that's bigger than we are and being part of God's work. And I like to, I love this illustration here. And uh, this is very special to my wife and I. Uh, this is what we call our very first love offering. And uh, we, we started deputation. We went up to a little church in Fremont, Nebraska, uh, about an hour from our house. And it was a very unique time in our life. Uh, we had a lot of things going on personally, uh, very emotionally, a lot of things happening. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, we're, we're leaving our job of 23 years. And uh, when you leave a job, that means you're leaving a paycheck. We had this constant... Uh, just providing, coming in, and now all of a sudden, that's gone. And we're, we're on the mission field, and, and we're, we're having to travel to churches. And there's a lot of things just going on in our mind, and we weren't really sure how God was going to provide or how this was all going to look. And we go to this church, and uh, we, we present, and uh, they had a little dinner afterwards. And uh, the, after all that, this little girl walks up, and her name was Grace. And she was 10 years old. And Grace walks up, and she gives this jar of money to my wife and I. And you know, right there, God taught me that, uh, first of all, it's going to take a lot of jars of money, you know. But uh, he taught me a very valuable lesson. He taught me a few things. uh, But you know what I learned most? I learned this, this is what missions is, right? Missions is not this big business money empire, right? Missions is God's people sacrificing so that we could take the gospel to Portugal. 
And we realized at that moment that that's what it was. God's sweet people that was going to sacrifice. But I want to show you something. I have a picture of this uh, here. This is Grace. And uh, that's her brother photobombing there in the background. And, uh, but that's Grace giving that to us. What I love about this picture is the smile. Right? The smile. She's not sad. She's not mad. Her parents aren't making her give this, you know, to this missionary. She is happy. She has a joy, and she's, you know, we don't know, we've not counted this, so we don't know how much money's in here, but what we do know uh, is there's sacrifice. Uh, there's a lot, of, she could have bought a lot of candy with this jar of money, right? Yeah. But instead, she chose to give this to someone she's never met, but because she knew that it was what it, was, what it meant, and that it was being used to see people. And I believe when we get to heaven one day, uh, a little Portuguese fella is going to walk up to her and thank her for what she did and for the partnership that she had with a missionary going to Portugal. And, you know, and that's what we see. When we're a part of something, when we're a part of God's work, and we sacrifice, we have a joy that Paul is talking about here. And uh, turn to chapter 4, verse 23. And I want to be done with this. And uh, just a quick little thought. And uh, he says this. He says, now remember, these are hurting people. These are people that are struggling. Uh, No doubt they have a lot of just pressure and stresses in their life. And uh, he says this, verse 23, he says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. These are his closing words. This is wrapping up this letter. And the best thing he could do to encourage them is say, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. You know, I taught on uh, grace a few years ago in our Sunday school class. And uh, I've studied grace before. I've preached on it. I've heard preaching on it. But I'll tell you, the thing that stuck out to me more than ever before is that grace is not just our ticket to heaven. Okay? Now it is. It is our ticket to heaven. So don't get me wrong there, okay? Uh, For by grace are you saved through faith. If you're here tonight, you've never accepted that gift of grace in your life, this church would love to help you with that. They would greatly rejoice if you received that gift tonight. They would love to show you what God's word says about knowing for sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. And they would love that. But you know, if you're here tonight and you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you have accepted that gift of grace in your life, not only did you receive a ticket to heaven, which thank, thank goodness we got that, right? Yes. But not only did we receive a ticket to heaven and eternal life, we also received an abundant life now. We also received an abundant life here on earth. Right. We now have an opportunity to talk directly to God the Father, right? We could talk to God. There's a lot of important people in the world and uh, they'll never talk to me. But God that created those people, he wants to talk to me. Amen. And I could talk to him. Uh, I, now, I have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother yes. through Jesus. And I could talk to him and I can walk with him. I have the Holy Spirit now that dwells, that comforts, that guides us, that convicts us. And we have that and so much more. Why? Because of grace. And so tonight as I close, I know we talked about the love that we have and the love that Christ has for us. We talked about how our sacrifice for him brings a joy in our life. But lastly, as we go through life, and life can be hard, but we ought to always remember that we have the grace 
of, of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus in our life. Let's pray.